Never mind. All right, welcome everyone to the uh, Coach's Corner of the Aiming for Tens podcast. Tonight we have a special guest, George Norton from the Army Marksmanship Unit. George, welcome. Hey, how's it going? Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, George. Um, we also have Harley tonight. She was able to get off work, so she's here. Harley, how's it going? I have been so busy, but I'm so thankful that I could make it in, or at least on Zoom tonight. That's how we record these. So I'm happy that we can all be here kind of at the same time and same place, almost. Awesome. So, George, why don't we start off with you introducing yourself and a little bit how you got started in rifle? Yeah, so uh, I'm Sergeant First Class George Norton, assigned to the United States Army Marksmanship Unit. Uh, I've been there for 17 years now, and that's one of the opportunities we have in the marksmanship unit, which I know we're going to talk about in a little bit. Uh, I began in the competitive shooting sports uh, at St. John's Military School in Salina, Kansas during high school. Uh, we were pretty much a, a high school version of West Point. It was an all-male uh, military boarding school, and everyone um, had to uh, try out for their marksmanship badges, but then there, there was also a rifle team, uh, and I was fortunate enough to make the rifle team there. Um, I learned about all of the opportunities in competitive shooting because we were lucky enough to have a member of the Army Marksmanship Unit actually come out and teach a Kansas State Rifle Association clinic. Um, and that's when I learned there was more than just the Kansas State 50-foot gallery league and there was Olympics. There was NCAA. <laughs> I learned about USA shooting, the civilian marksmanship program. And all of a sudden, like my, my left and right limits went huge. Uh, the horse blinders were off, if you can say that. So uh, I ended up having a lot of kids in my same age um, the same year of me as school that were outside of the military school that shot really well. And they all wanted to go to university of Missouri, Kansas city. I'll be honest. I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. And all my friends were going there and I was a pretty good shot. Uh, so I was able to walk onto the team at, uh, UMKC competed there for two years, studying second edu secondary education and graphic design. Um, but after two years, I realized that, uh, I was there for one thing and that was competitive shooting and not for academics. Uh, and I know we're, we're definitely gonna talk a little bit about that later for uh, options for after high school. Right. Um, so at that time I decided, you know, what was, where was I most familiar with? What, what where do I wanna go in my glide path now as a, a 20 year old young male? And I, I said, you know, I want my structure back. I wanna get what I had at uh, St. John's. And so I enlisted into United States Army um, and I walked into the recruiting office and said, Hey, sign me up. I'm ready to go. And they're like, what do you want to do? I was like, what do you got? And luckily they had infantry. Uh, not only did they have infantry for me, they had airborne ranger special forces. And I said, let's go, you know, let me get the, the best experience of the army that I can have. Um, so I went to Fort Benning, Georgia in January of 2005. Um, but I shot real well in basic and drill sergeants noticed that. And there happened to be a drill sergeant that went through the squad designated marksmanship program that we had at the time and asked me if I knew about the, the AMU. And I said, oh, my gosh, they're my, my Larry Birds, my Michael Jordans, and here I am dating myself again. Um, but I, they're my heroes. And they said, well, let's see if we can get you a tryout. Uh, so upon graduation, I was able to earn a, 
two-month tryout. And if I failed, I was going worldwide out to the Army. My contracts for Airborne Ranger and SF were going to go away. Um, so I needed to make the tryout. Luckily, nationals happened at the same time in June. Um, I made the tryout. And so my initial four-year contract has now turned to an amazing experience traveling the world, being on the U.S. national team, being with the International Rifle Team, the USAMU, um, having a, a really a, a career that I'm going to look back on and be extremely proud of uh, and can't believe that this is where I am. So that's a that's a quick rundown of, of me and uh, competitive shooting. That is awesome. I did not even know, and I, I've said this before, but I didn't know that um, all of that about you. I didn't know where, I guess, where you went to college. So it's very good to know. It's awesome to know. Um, I guess I've only known you kind of since you've been, been at the AMU. And I think I was trying so hard all day to look up a picture because I don't know if you remember, but probably I had to have been like 2012, 2013. Like we have a picture together with mm -hmm. other people that I was in with in Fort Benning, Georgia. And I feel like you haven't changed one bit. Like you look the exact no. same. <laughs> you sound the same. It is crazy to me. I feel like it was so long ago for me, but it, it nothing has changed. Um, all in all good ways, all good ways. No, so, thank you. Taking talking about the AMU and kind of their facilities, how much have they changed since you've been there? I know you guys got the outdoor range. Uh, I want to say it's a few years ago, but I have no sense of time. So kind of just go over the facilities that you guys have and kind of where the AMU athletes train. Yeah. So um, I'll, I'll start on like the 10,000 foot view of like the organization and then I'll kind of hone into um, international rifle and the, uh, the facilities that they're able to have. So at the army marksmanship unit, we have uh, eight ranges actually for all of our sections. Um, including our, we also have our headquarters building, our custom firearm shop, and our custom uh, loading room uh, for research and development and testing and things. Um, each of the ranges is specific to the section. Um, so each of the sections, we have our international rifle, international shotgun, the Olympic style events, uh, service rifle, service pistol. Uh, they primarily compete with these service weapons, but they compete against uh, other services and civilians as well. Uh, we also have our uh, instructor training group. Uh, they are soldiers from inside of the army that are assigned to us that travel over 300 days of the year uh, doing mobile train the trainers, we call them NTTs, uh, where they're training upwards of 4,000 soldiers in advanced marksmanship techniques. Um, we have our action shooting or our three gun team. Uh, they're the ones that uh, move real fast. I don't get how they do it. Uh, they shoot and move in ways that I don't even see possible from an air gunner. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's an amazing organization. As far as international rifle goes, uh, they have their Olympic style, 10 meter range, approximately 76 points. Um, the 50 meter outdoor range, uh, approximately 78 points. And then the final saw, uh, so when I enlisted and I came on the team in June of 2005, uh, we did not have the final song, uh, but we were hosting world cups. So they would just take the, the high end of the range. We had bleachers there and that's where we would shoot the finals. Um, but to try and keep up with these ranges that were, you'd see all around the world. Um, we wanted to have a designated finals hall space 
Uh, and so, and that's what everybody's able to experience now during the nationals, uh, the, the range that's able to convert. You see the big um, aircraft hangar door that gets to open up shooting 50 meters. Um, it, it, and it's a multi-purpose um, building as well because the instructor training group I was talking about, they'll do training courses in there. We'll have uh, unit uh, functions in there as well. Uh, so it's really a multi-purpose building that we get to use for a lot of different ways. Um, but the organization, uh, AMU, um, International Rifle, uh, we, we, have, we would like to be known as being innovative. Uh, we transform with the need of the sports that we're competing in. Um, we, we compete in sports that we're able to find direct connections to being able to support uh, our research and development and lethality that supports the warfighters. So all the weapon systems that the Army has um, that are contracted from different uh, manufacturers, we wanna make sure that the sports that we're shooting in, we're learning from our competitions. Uh, we're learning from the ballistic data that we get from shooting real well. Um, what shoots the best at a thousand yards? Okay, we're gonna use that round for the, the sniper system that goes out to the Army. Um, the national match rifles that our service rifle team uses uh, that directly goes into the squad designated marksman rifle um, that the infantry uses. So um, the, the ranges that you'll see have changed over the years based on the competitions that we compete in. Um, now the Olympic events, as they change as well, we need to um, find ways to fit into how ISSF, USA shooting, the rules and everything changes. And you'll notice that around, I think it was 2014, 2015, we did a big um, range changeover. So now you'll see like all the TV monitors that are over um, the firing points. So the spectators are able to watch their individual shooter. We used to only have like the individual monitors or like the big ones for like every 10 points. Uh, we, we knew that the sport needed to be more spectator friendly. So as all the ranges around the world were converting, so are we. Um, so we'll see what happens. You know, a lot of rules changes I hear are coming down the pipeline for going into Paris and um, the AMU is going to do what we can to, to keep up with it and make sure that we have a national range complex that supports um, not only the Army athletes, but the USA shooting athletes as well, because we know that this is where the championships are held. These are the qualifiers. So if, if our range isn't up to par, then we're not going to have the best athletes at all the different competitions that we go to. It's pretty neat. I didn't even know that um, y'all had changed to the individual screens. The last time I think we were there, y'all had the screens for the 10 lanes. So that's pretty neat. I can't wait to get back. We've got some juniors who are almost, almost ready to, to venture that far to a big match like that. So that'll be interesting. So, George, I think you, you, you touched on the purpose of the AMU. How long has the AMU been around? So the history of the uh, United States Army Marksmanship Unit uh, goes back to 1956. Uh, President Eisenhower actually oversaw the unit's formation um, to beat the prominent winners at the time in the Olympics, the Soviets. Um, our, our mission has not changed in this whole entire time since 1956. Our primary mission has been to compete and win in international competitions, along with raising the standard of marksmanship in the military. Uh, as time has gone on, um, we have been more involved with uh, training and doctrine 
when it goes to supporting lethality in research and development. Uh, we've been more involved with uh, U.S. Army recruiting, uh, accessions is what it's called, uh, where we were kind of the, the flash, right? We're the Olympic athletes, we're the national competitors. We are able to show off all of the weapon systems that the Army has that we have had input in. Uh, and that's a big draw and a big in the public eye. Uh, but we've always been at Fort Benning. It's always been our home since 1956. Uh, the ranges have always been in that general area. We've picked up a couple of new ranges as time has gone on. Uh, we're fortunate that our headquarters is actually out of Fort Knox uh, in Kentucky. Um, but we, a tenant unit, over the how much we're able to give back to the Army and to the warfighter. Uh, and so they've allowed us to remain at Fort Benning and call it our home. Um, so yeah, it's a little brief history. Uh, the, the sections um, have built up. Um, we've, we've always kind of gone the ebb and the flow again, uh, depending on the needs of the research and development, the types of competitions that we need to support. Um, you'll, you'll know that some of the sections that we used to have, we don't have anymore. Um, but we're always trying to be innovative and find what's new. What do we need to get into? Uh, so that not only are we continuing to be known as the home of champions for the different competitions that we're in, but we also want to make sure that we're just always supporting the soldier. Mm -hmm. Nice. So George, how many soldiers are on the AMU team? And while you're talking about that, can you kind of go into who and how is it decided who shoots what discipline for the team? Okay. Yeah. So um, our unit as a whole, uh, we're, we're considered a battalion. Inside of our battalion, we have uh, 93 soldiers, uh, give and take every couple months, we'll be able to hire, some will retire. Each section, so each competition team, like International Rifle, Shotgun, they have a certain amount of slots per team. Um, so like International Rifle, they have approximately 11 to 12. Shotgun has a little bit more like 16 to 17. Um, and we were very selective about who comes onto the team. Um, we, we always are looking for that national level athlete. Um, and I say national level athlete, I don't say maybe the national level athlete at the age of 18, a national level athlete at the age of 30, we're looking for the mature national level athlete that is ready to come be in the army and be with the army marksmanship unit. Um, yeah, it's approximately 93 uh, soldiers, uh, but we also have a civilian support staff. We're not all soldiers. Uh, we have approximately 25 civilians. Uh, a lot of those make up our uh, custom firearm shop. Our custom firearm shop are um, half soldiers, half civilians. Um, our soldiers are recruited from in the, in the custom firearm shop from gunsmithing schools from around the country. Civilians that make custom are actually generated from the unit uh, for the continuity of knowledge, uh, but we've also hired civilians as well. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I kind of touched on on the two things there. Yes, you did. Thank you. I did not okay. realize I, I did not realize that there was that many soldiers, and then that you guys had kind of a civilian area as well. So that's really awesome to know, and I think that will be pretty interesting for other people listening to this podcast. So kind of talking about the athletes there and one in particular, Amber English, how exciting was it 
for her to bring back the gold medal in the women's skeet competition this year. I mean, I know just being an international competition competitor yourself, like she's kind of in a different discipline, but how exciting was that for the whole AMU? I'll tell you, if there is one thing that pays the bills, it is an Olympic gold medal. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we've, in the history of the unit, we have 25 um, Olympic medals to our name. Um, the most recent, other than Lieutenant English, was um, Sergeant Eller from Shotgun. Um, but that was uh, back in, uh, in Beijing. Um, we had uh, Sergeant Hancock that won, but uh, he had already um, gotten out and was a civilian by that point. But uh, so we were waiting a couple of years. A couple of games had gone by and we hadn't had a, an Olympic medal. So for, for Lieutenant English to... The if you, if everyone has a chance to to read her story, the fact that she was already a national level athlete um, in Colorado Springs and decided to uh, take the big step, if you will, and come into the army and become uh, a commissioned officer with the United States Army, uh, leave the world class athlete program, and I say leave. Uh, She's assigned, she was assigned to the world-class athlete program, but detached to us, uh, the United States Army Marksmanship Unit. Um, that, that says a lot, not only for, for her to, to take the, that big step of becoming a United States Army uh, commissioned officer, but also that I think that says a lot for our organization, uh, the type of support uh, that we're able to give to athletes um, that are looking for that next thing. Like if I think I have everything, and I think I have all the support possible. Um, wait until you go to the AMU and you'll see uh, what support might actually mean. Um, but no, I'll tell you, uh, I, I was awake just like everybody else, I think at about 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and just grit my teeth uh, and, and just like, come on, let's go. And it was so exciting for not only um, Vinny to win, but then here she is in the final and uh, I, I have an interesting position now that I'm, I'm no longer competitive, competitively shooting, um, but I'm in this uh, marketing world for the unit and being able to watch as not only a fan of the sport, but a fan of the army marksmanship unit and just a fan of Lieutenant English. And it was, it was an amazing moment. And I know that every single soldier and officer and civilian uh, with the unit is extremely proud of her. That's awesome. <clears throat> what a great story. Um, George, tell us about the day of a soldier in the AMU. Yeah, so it is different uh, depending on the section that you're in. Um, I, I can speak for uh, International Rifle very well that we would, uh, depending on the time of year, we would arrive uh, at approximately 7 a.m., 7.30, uh, and we're trying to get on the range as early as we can. Um, a lot of times, uh, we're able to get the range open by about 8 AM, uh, through Fort Benning range control. Uh, and the earlier you get there and get set up, then as soon as that range gets open at zero eight, you're able to start putting rounds down range. Um, and you're, you have a freedom to train based on the training schedule that you've created with the, uh, team chief of the section. Um, and so depending on your schedule, you may, you may be training from zero eight all the way through uh, two o'clock in the afternoon, 1400. Um, and you're just taking little breaks here and there. Um, 
and we also would use a periodization timeline. So based on um, how soon it is coming up to a match, maybe it, it's lighter training. Maybe you just finished with a match and so now you're working on equipment. Um, there's a lot of freedom there uh, to kind of make, you know, you're going to make your bed and lay it. Um, but all of that is worked with a, uh, a training regimen that you've set up with the team chief. Um, but coming around to the afternoon time, uh, so for, you know, we'll, we'll train till about, uh, 1130 to two o'clock, you know, you're going to, you're going to get lunch in there somewhere. Um, and then the afternoon is, uh, a lot of time is some admin. Uh, we have, we have offices, uh, just like any other, um, company and we have requirements to do mandatory training. Um, there may be some paperwork depending on, uh, asks that may be put down to you. Uh, janitors we'd uh so any cleaning on the ranges that's got to be done by the the members of the section um sometimes we do have uh, some lawn maintenance people who do an amazing job but sometimes we just want to get out there and do work ourselves uh also there is um coming around to about three o'clock four o'clock that's about the time that a lot of the teams will start doing uh their physical fitness regimens um and then you're usually coming you're usually heading home like around four o'clock uh if you're staying a little bit later for doing pt uh, five o'clock, but, um, it's a very, uh, it's not as regimented as people would think. Um, you, you do have a schedule that's given to you. Um, but depending on the training cycle that you're in, uh, if you're, if you're, you know, heading up to a match, um, maybe you're going to back off a little bit on the PT. You're just going to be doing some uh, light physical fitness. Um, and you're really going to be thinking about what do I need to do to set myself up for competing? Well, um, there's not going to be requirements that are put on to our soldiers. Um, from, um, perspective, uh, we, we are looking at our soldiers that are our shooters as that's what they are. They are these athletes that we need to respect their time, uh, so that they can go out and win because that is our, that's the mission. Um, now when they're done with their match and they have a little bit of time, between the match just finished and one coming up. Yeah, maybe we'll, we'll ask them to do some things. Um, I, I might take them on some recruiting trips. Um, maybe there'll be some details that need to be knocked out. But at the end of the day, you know, we're all soldiers. Uh, yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, sir. No, sir. Um, but it, it, is a, it is a relaxed atmosphere that falls inside of an army regiment. Right. Interesting. So is there a chance that y'all get deployed overseas? Uh, so we have not since about 2013. Um, we, we are always uh, standing ready to deploy if need be. Um, but we are not what you would consider a, a combat deployable unit. Um, yeah. In 2000, so I, I enlisted in 2005. Uh, in 2010, we did uh, deploy to support Operation Enduring Freedom in Afghanistan. Uh, we went over in six-man teams, and we were there to uh, help train and instruct uh, the Afghan National Army and NATO forces in marksmanship. Um, I was able to go actually with Sergeant First Class Hank Gray. We were on a, a six-man team together, um, and it, it was an amazing experience. Wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Uh, it was extremely eye-opening, not only working with the Afghan National Army, but all the NATO forces, the U.S. forces. Um, but currently, since about 2003, uh, we have not deployed. Anything can come up. Uh, there may be a need for our intellect and our expertise. Uh, and if that time came, uh, our soldiers would be ready to go support whatever mission that would be.
Nice. It was very good to know. I think a lot of people, a lot of people think, hey, it's the Army Marksmanship Unit. Like they're going to be in the middle of training and then they just have to go overseas. And, and it's not really always the case. And I think and when I was younger, um, you know, but when I was in high school, way before college, I was like, oh, I, I don't want to go to the AMU because I don't want to go overseas. Like I just want to shoot and, you know, things like that. So it's very good. You explained that very well. Um, it's really awesome to know. So a little bit, a little while ago, you talked about recruiting, taking the athletes on recruiting trips. How does the recruiting process work for you guys? Do you only look at college graduates or soon to be college graduates to recruit into the AMU? Can you kind of touch, touch on that a little bit? So again, I'll say that it, it, it is different for um, every section, um, but specifically for International Rifle, which pr the primary audience uh, is probably going to be. Um, say again that uh, we're, we're looking for that high caliber athlete um, that's going to be on your like junior national team or the potential, the high potential that they're going to be there or a national team level athlete. Um, and at that point, age is really a number. Um, but at the same time, uh, when you're arriving to the army marksmanship unit, the treadmill is pretty much set at 12. Uh, you, you're, you're going to hit the ground and you are running. There's not a, um, there, there's an in-processing period there. There's time for you to learn, but as soon as you hit the ground, you're already going to be on the range training, we're going to have your, your rifles and your equipment inside of the guns shop. Um, they're going to be working on it, making them, making your rifle shoot as well as they can. Uh, we'll have you on our supply, making sure that you have all the equipment that you need. Um, you're going to have the freedom that a, a college athlete has uh, because your day starts at approximately 7.30, 8 a.m. And it's going to end at approximately 4, 4.30 in the afternoon. Um, and the rest of the time is yours, just like in college, you know, what you do with your time is going to be your time. Uh, and so we need to have soldiers that are mature, are, uh, self-starting, uh, have the integrity, um, and are able to kind of hold their own. Uh, there's only one team chief. There's only, uh, one assistant team chief for each section. And so we need to know that, uh, when the eyes of the team chief aren't on you, you're doing the right thing. Um, and I can tell you that if you look at the team that international rifle has now, uh, those soldiers, it, that, that is what you want to be emulating. Those are the type of people that, um, excel in that organization. And if you can, you see the scores that they're shooting it, I'm look, my, my neck went bad and, uh, and I, I had to kind of retire from, uh, competitively shooting and they are amazing. And I know if I had my neck fixed, I'd have some hard work getting back there. Um, so if you're a high school athlete and you're looking at the AMU, uh, don't feel like you need to be a NCAA graduate. Uh, what I will say though, however, is, uh, we would want to steer you to getting that experience of, uh, being an NCAA athlete, um, have that experience of, you know, getting away from mom and dad's house, um, maturing, starting to make a, a lot of decisions for yourself um, and learning everything that you can while you're there. And our doors are open. Um, now, at the same time, uh, if you if you are a high school level athlete and you, you want to entertain the idea of coming to the AMU, we are some of the most uh, approachable soldiers you'll ever meet. Um, everyone from the International Rifle Team, uh, I know 
everyone out there knows when you see a, a black and gold uniform walking by, we're probably laughing. We're probably smiling. Um, and just finding us at the end of the match, you know, um, if we're about to go shoot, probably not a good time, but, uh, if you ever have any questions, you know, please, uh, please, you know, post to the side, let us know. And then definitely let us know if you're interested in the army marksmanship unit, all because you're all because you're talking to some of the soldiers from the unit and letting them know that you're interested. That doesn't mean you're signing up. Um, that just means that now we'll have our eyes on you. Um, I'll tell you, Sergeant First Class, uh, Mike McPhail, Sergeant First Class Gray, they're always looking. Um, and and they're always looking to hire. If, if there's the next best thing coming up, well, we want we want you. So I will say, speaking from experience, I got to the opportunity when I was in high school to go to some AMU camps and then competing at Fort Benning a few times. And all of the AMU soldiers are so like fun to just talk to and just talk to about their matches and about what you can do better and very open to talking to everyone and anyone and, and even if you guys are watching finals, like y'all are going to have a good time with it and things like that. So if you're listening and you think, oh, the AMU guys or the AMU girls are so scary and they're not like, they're not at all. They're awesome. So thank you for sharing that. George, do you have any advice that you could give to junior shooters um, that kind of want to continue their career after high school but they don't know if they want to join the AMU, if they want to stay at home and compete or go to college. I love this question because I made, I love where my life has ended up. Um, but I'll tell you, I had a lot of, uh, I took a lot of lefts when I could have taken rights and I lucked out where I ended up. But one of the, I think one of the biggest mistakes I ever made, even though everything worked out was I, I went to college totally based on competitive shooting. Um, and because of that, the, the programs that I was in at the school, uh, the, the University of Missouri, Kansas City is an amazing uh, university. Uh, they no longer have a program there, but um, I, I, was, I was looking into art schools uh, at the time when I was a senior in high school. Um, and when the Kansas City Art Institute is located right across the street from the University of Missouri, Kansas City, chances are the art program might not be what I was looking for. Um, and so as a result, I wasn't enjoying myself as a student, even though I was enjoying myself as an athlete. Uh, and so it took away from me being able to be as good of a, an athlete in college as I probably could have been. Um, now, yes, things worked out, but I would say, uh, first, if you're looking to go and shoot an NCAA or for this matter, um, collegiate rifle with the NRA programs that are out there, um, if you're looking to shoot collegiately is get the list of schools that all have rifle programs, whether division one, division two, it doesn't matter. Um, and then think about what you want to do in college academically and that's gonna be able to limit your list extremely well. If you wanna major in biology, then find out of that list of schools, what are the biology programs of those schools? Now that's your list. You know, Maybe there's like a, a top eight ranked team that you were really kind of looking at because you've kind of followed them in high school and you think they're really cool and you really wanna go there, but they don't have your program. You might wanna look at some, and that might be hard at first, but at the end of the day, 
you're there to be a student. You're not there to be an athlete. Um, and the coaches are going to expect you to be a student so that they can have you as an athlete. And take it from me, I, I dropped out of college because I didn't, I didn't do that properly. Um, again, things work out, but um, definitely look at programs, the schools, and then think about, okay, which school's shooting program most fits the type of shooter that I want to be. Um, to go on that end, you know, if, if, if you know your shooting careers may end at the time that you graduate from college, like, because I know for a lot of competitive shooters in college, once they graduate and it's over, they don't keep going. Um, if you want to get the most out of that, if you want to be winning and you want to try and make your national team tours and that, using a program that's going to get you there. At the same time, if you're just wanting to have that amazing NCAA, then make sure you pick the one that you're going to enjoy. You know, um, you can have both. There are programs out there that I've, I've talked to a lot of kids that say, you know, I thought I was going to a program that I was just going to have fun, but it was uh, very trying and hard and they tested me <laughs> and I still was able to be a great shooter. I thought I was just going there to have fun. And, and enjoy my time as a collegiate athlete uh, or, you know, it's vice versa. I, I didn't realize it was going to be this strenuous and I didn't realize being an NCAA athlete was going to be this hard. This program's so rough, but I mean, again, take your time. Um, that's one of the, you kind of touched on this when talking about the AMU and how approachable we are. That's one of the most amazing things about our sport is that no matter what anyone that is approachable here, whether it's the college, whether it's the AMU team, whether it's uh, national team members of USA shooting, the national coaches, um, we are so open to information and everyone is so transparent about everything. I, I don't know anyone that keeps secrets from anybody in this sport. Um, I think we're all trying to help each other for like the big goal of being the best in the world. Um, and so to that end, like, feel free to ask questions. Just like I was saying, like, if you see uh, an AMU sold at a match, you know, go talk to them. If you see a collegiate coach, don't be intimidated by them. They are, they are not intimidated. <laughs> they are the nicest, some of the nicest people you'll meet inside of our organization. Uh, uh, they'll give you uh, all the information you need. And trust me, they want to recruit you. So uh, they'll definitely be willing to talk to you. Don't find a collegiate coach intimidating at all. Um, yeah, I... I love this sport. Like I, it, I, people ask me, um, do I miss, do I miss, do I miss shooting? And I, and I say, you know, it's not so much the, the competing and the traveling. I miss the people. I miss the interacting with everyone um, because we have such an amazing community. Uh, so yeah, do not be afraid of talking to anybody because everybody wants to talk to you. I'm so glad you said that George, because I feel the exact same way. And I, and I've, I mean, through Harley's career and growing up, you know, because we didn't have a big team like we're, we're trying to get now. And it was just Harley and I, and, and we would go to AMU or we'd go to Colorado Springs at, to Junior Olympics and not knowing anything. And you're right. I mean, everywhere we went, it, you know, you can, all, you can almost see the, the, the lack of confidence in somebody's face. And I guess that's the, the, what they saw in our face. And it was like, hey, do you need help? It's like, yeah, we do. Where are yeah. we going? You know, what do we do next? And there's always somebody there. And, and I try to tell the parents that of the junior kids, you know, they'll, they'll text me and, hey, we're going to Junior Olympics for the first time and we're so scared. What do we do? What if we, What if my buttons aren't in the right? So don't just calm down. Don't worry. 
equipment check, they're not there to, to, to get, you know, kick you out and not let you shoot. They're, they're <laughs> going to help fix it. Somebody is there to help you. And, and you're right. The AMU is the guys that on, on that team have always been so helpful and so approachable. And I mean, Harley can tell you that the first year we went to, when NRA was still at Camp Perry, we were, we were set up on the line right next to the AMU guys. And it was, uh, Mark uh, McPhail and uh, Harley, who's the other guy that was there? Joe Hall, Joseph Hall. Um, yeah. yeah. Unit anymore, I don't think, but mm-hmm. um, right. him and Michael McPhail were so, and I, this was, I had to have been 14, maybe 16 years old. And yeah. but they're talking to me and I'm like, I don't know. Like, I feel like am I doing, am I doing something wrong? And <laughs> I feel like they shouldn't be talking to me, but they're helping me. And, and so, and you guys were so open and just like willing to do and willing to do anything that we needed. And that year, the weather was so bad. The, the awning kind of flew, it flew away and oh, yeah. we shot in the rain, basically on just on the grass. <laughs> so, but yeah, and it, it was such a fun experience to get to shoot alongside the AMU guys. And like, we're all going through this, like they've been shooting for, this many years and I've been shooting for like a quarter of that, but we're all shooting in the same conditions in the same place right now. And it's just an awesome experience. And George, earlier you were saying how the NCAA college coaches, like they are not intimidating. And as probably my freshman year in high school, I'm seeing these college coaches wandering around matches and I'm like, I'm not going to go talk to them. Like this is terrifying. And then I get to college and the coaches that I talked to when I was being recruited, I'm talking to them just like, you know, I've known them forever. And so they, no one is intimidating in this sport. Even the range officers who, who seem intimidating, they're not like, they're not yeah. at all. And you just you have to give them a chance to talk to them. And that's something that I, I miss so much about the sport kind of being less involved now, but yeah, the sport is amazing. Just like you said, I love it. And I love all the people in it. So thank you for that. I'll tell you one of, one of our favorite things as AMU soldiers is if you're nervous around us, because we're just going to eat that up. Like <laughs> I, I have a, I have a great story about, um, and, and I, I, I'm going to say it and I'm sorry for everyone out there, but one of my favorite young ladies out there that's shooting or I've known her since she started is, um, Jaden Thompson from UK. And, uh, the first time I met her, I actually met her mom first because we were at uh, the NRA nationals in Bristol. And they, her mom came up and said, uh, my, my daughter's really nervous. I can talk to you all, but we don't know what to do. Her sight's broken and we just really need some help. And I was like, Hey, all about it. I'll help you. But she's got to come ask me. And so, so here she comes and, and trust me, she's like night and day different now, but she came over and she's all kind of hunched over and she's like, hi. I'm, I'm, I'm Jane. Um, yeah, I don't know what I did. And I already knew like how to fix the issue. Um, but I was, I just, I was like, look, just spell it out. You know, you're not gonna let your mom do all your work for you. Like get over here. Um, so, but no, I, it's things like that. And that just that little moment, um, was able to turn into a really great relationship between, um, the Thompson family and myself, uh, and because uh, I was going to say earlier that one of one of my favorite things to do is to be at these large national matches like Winter Air Gun or uh, Nationals at NRA or USA Shooting, and you see the parent and the child 
a lot of times it's a dad and a daughter and you just know they have no idea what's going on. And my favorite thing is just the lock up. And I used to be like, Hey, y'all knew. <laughs> and they're just like, yeah, we need some help. And I was like, what do you got? Like, <laughs> Cause it's just, it's fun. Right. Cause I mean, it, when, when you have the knowledge, like you just, in this sport, you, you love giving it away, you know? And so, uh, and the relationships that I've been able to get just from doing that. And I know the countless others that are out there in our community um, that you've, you've created relationships with other families and other people that you never would have met from all around the country, just because you were willing to share information or you're willing to ask for help. Um, you know, in this day and age, I think a lot of people are intimidated to ask for help. Um, but once you kind of break down that barrier, I, I have so many connections now that I would never have had if it wasn't for this sport. Right. Yeah, very good. Um, George, are y'all still doing camps, junior camps? So currently we, we are not. Um, yeah, we used to have our summer camp every year. Um, now we've, we've had to step away from that. Um, we currently still hold our COVID has done COVID things, um, but we we're still planning on having our junior air rifle national championship every year. Uh, it was had, had to be canceled again this year, just due to regulations for betting. Um, but that is the one time when we're still able to do a clinic in the, in the um, concurrence with the championship. Um, but yeah, as far as like the advanced camp that we used to have over the summer, uh, the one, the one week long one. Yeah. We're, we're no longer holding that. Okay. I wasn't sure. I hadn't seen anything in a long time and I didn't know if it was just because of COVID or if it was something y'all did away with. Uh, it's, it's sad. Cause I, I mean, I think everyone out there that ever was able to attend it knows that that was my baby. Like I, I love doing that. I was like one of my favorite things you, you get in the season. Uh, we usually were coming back from either a, a world cup or it was the end of the end to the, the week long advanced camp. And oh, that was a lot of fun. And, I love seeing the Facebook memory pictures pop up of some of the kids in there. And I mean, Jared DeRosiers, who's now Sergeant DeRosiers is in, in one of the camp photos, you know, um, I had such an amazing time running those camps. It was so good. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, you did a very great job at running those camps. I, I will say you, Eric Updegraft, um, like he, so intimidating from the outside, but like the biggest teddy <laughs> bear. I feel like so awesome. He gave me such a hard time the week that I that I was in Fort Benning, and um, and I think it's just kind of one of those things where Fort Benning, the weather is it's not always glorious. It's not always sunny and seventy five down in Georgia, but everyone always looks forward to going down there, no matter if it's in the winter, in the summer, and oh, I know degrees outside everyone looks forward to it because you guys just make it so fun and and i know everyone appreciates that from you guys so yeah well that's that's really appreciated yeah thank you so george any any um uh, i don't know how i want to word it is there any chance is there any end in sight to the covid regulations to where the usa nationals will be held back at fort benning uh, okay. I don't know. Like, yeah. um, just because it's a, it's an ever changing thing. Um, I mean, we thought we were in the clear and then the Delta variant came out. And as soon as that came out, 
and um, Georgia started becoming kind of a hotbed. Um, Fort Benning had to take precautions uh, to limit the, um, it's limiting the amount of people um, that you have on site. Um, and so we're always going along with uh, the regulations that Fort Benning has. Um, and we're, we keep, we keep asking, uh, we keep, we're always getting the updates. Um, but at this point, I'm not able to give you a, a yay or nay. I mean, if it clears up, you know, possibly, I mean, I, again, I say possibly if, if it all goes away, you know, um, I, I can only assume that we would go back to how things work. So. Right. So before we kind of do our closing remarks, I know the people listening to this podcast will not be able to see what I'm about to show George, but I finally was going through <laughs> thousands of photos that I have. And I found this photo from, I think, <laughs> yeah. I think 2010, you and I, okay. and I don't want to get his, I don't want to get his name wrong, but Sergeant Ayala, is that correct? Armando Ayala. Okay. Sergeant, yep. Sergeant Ayala. Yeah. But you guys came Armando down, Ayala. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. So you guys came down to Victoria, Texas and kind of put on a little clinic and the way I'm holding. Oh yeah, I, I totally remember this. The way that I'm holding the gun in the position is not great. Oh my so gosh, I'm, that's I'm, you. Hold on, hold on. Are you the? Are hold you on. the one that's looking down the barrel? No, no. Hold on, I'm gonna try to. You can't. Okay. See <laughs> I'm gonna have to share it with uh, you if I can share my screen somehow. Okay. But it is mm -hmm. so funny because this is the exact picture that I've been wanting to show you for the past however long we've been on here. I'm going to try yeah. to. It's a podcast, right? Right. Uh, oh, yeah. No. Oh, my gosh. That's you. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Maybe if I turn. Oh, yeah. No, I totally. You can I see totally, it a little. No, I, I, I already know the photo you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, that was. Oh my gosh. 11 years ago, yeah. <laughs> That's you. Yes, that was me. Oh, that is hilarious. Yeah, that so yeah, that was 2010 in Victoria and oh my gosh. I, I remember that small little range, but you know, we loved that's what we love to do. You know what was really awesome about that is I hadn't seen my mom in almost like 2 or 3 years and whatnot. My mom I grew up in spring, Texas. And so right. I, my mom came out to see me because I was there. So it just happened to work out. Um, so I got to see my mom. I got to do a clinic with y'all, but I totally remember the glare. Don't even worry about it. I totally remember the photo. I, I remember the good photo and I remember the bad photo. So. <laughs> well, George, it has been awesome. We have, we've had fun and we Truly appreciate you taking time out of your your day and your schedule to kind of talk to us and be on our podcast. And I know my dad appreciates it. And and if do you have anything else to add before we kind of close everything out? No, all I all I want to say is um, everyone listening, please come check us out. On uh, we have social media at USAMU 1956 on Instagram. Uh, we have Facebook, YouTube. Uh, YouTube's a really great resource uh, for the Army Marksmanship Unit because we have trick shot videos. We have a lot of informational videos that are on there. Um, 
So if you're wanting to learn about the unit, there's a history video that's on there that you get to watch. Um, but if you really want to get a really good glimpse of all the amazing things that we're up to, uh, please follow us on Instagram, on Facebook, watch our YouTube videos. Um, and again, uh, don't be intimidated by the soldier side. Um, we have amazing women and amazing men on that international rifle team. Uh, they've all been where you are now and they wouldn't have gotten to this point in their career. Um, you know, Patrick Sunderman going to the Olympics, Ali Weiss going to the Olympics, Asian, um, national level athletes, U.S. national team, world records, um, multi-time Olympians and Sergeant McPhail. Look, we've all, we were all once in your shoes um, and don't think that where you are, that it's impossible to be a member of one of the most amazing organizations inside of the USA shooting community, which is the Army Marksmanship Unit. We have uh, such an amazing support system that a lot of y'all are able to uh, hear about and experience. Um, once you're a soldier with us, we do the best that we can to make you the best athlete that you can be uh, while also supporting uh, the warfighter research and development in army recruiting. It's an amazing organization. I can't believe I've had the honor and privilege of serving with it as long as that I have. Um, and now at this point, it's just doing whatever I can to give back for, you know, all these opportunities I've been able to get, but this has been amazing. Thank you so much for letting me be a part of the podcast and a, a nice uh, walk down memory lane there. That was, that was so good. <laughs> well, George, we, we greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for your service for your 17 years of service. I'm assuming you're going to stay for 20. Oh, yes, sir. I'm going to say, well, I'm going to say as long as the army will let me. So. Okay. Well, awesome. <laughs> but we're looking at, we're looking at 20. Good deal. Good deal. Well, thank you so much for your service. And thank you so much for taking up the time out for tonight and, and sharing your knowledge about it and, and your wisdom and, and your experiences. And um, it just means the world to us and, and to the junior shooters who are listening. So thank you so much. Hey, yes, sir.